Welcome to Scanner School session number 94. Today we have a very special guest. All the session notes can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 94. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, or maybe you are a repeat listener, or serial listener, and you haven't yet subscribed, make sure on your podcast player you click the subscribe button so that you get next week's episodes and all future episodes delivered right to your device so you don't have to go looking for them. It makes it nice and easy to know that every Tuesday morning, the podcast will be delivered right to your device. Now, if you are still listening to this podcast on the webpage, that's fine. I totally get that. You can find the latest podcast by going right to our homepage, and on the right-hand side will be our latest podcast in the podcast player. But if you want to go back and you want to know when the new one's coming out, make sure you subscribe to our email newsletter. The email newsletter comes out weekly, and it just lets you know what's going on, not only behind the scenes here at Scanner School, but also what is coming up on the podcast. So again, you can subscribe to that just by going right to scannerschool.com and looking for the email newsletter uh, banner at the uh, top of the page. So make sure you look for the subscription form right there on our homepage at scannerschool.com. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So welcome back to Scanner School. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today, we have Chuck Geisey being interviewed, and Chuck is the editor of National Communications Magazine, and this magazine has been around, I don't know, nearly forever, and it's uh, one of the magazines I subscribed to when I was just getting into the scanner radio hobby. Now, Chuck, again, like I said, is the editor. He, we talk a lot of stuff here on this interview, and we'll clear things up after the uh, interview comes in, so make sure you listen after the interview to understand how to subscribe to National Communications Magazine, uh, because we kind of just breezed over that really quickly in the podcast. Now, again, there's no affiliation here as far as me earning any commission like that. This is just a straight-out recommendation. Love this magazine. Like I said, I remember subscribing to it way back when, and there's something that is brand new in the National Communications Magazine that uh, Chuck talks about, and we'll talk about that right on the opposite side of the interview. So we're going to jump right into it. So again, everything we talk about today can be found on our webpage in our session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 94. So let's jump right into the interview. Here is Chuck Geisey from National Communications Magazine. Guy, welcome to Scanner School. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to share some information about our publication and tell you a little bit more about it. All right. Before we get into the publication, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got yourself started in the uh, scanner radio hobby? Well, we go back a long time. Uh, we got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my dad was a volunteer firefighter, and uh, he started back in the early 1960s. Well, that brought alerting receivers into our home way back then. This is even pre-Plectrons, I believe. Uh, I can't remember the, the brand name at the time. But, you know, whenever it went off, everybody scrambled to the dining room to hear where that fire was. As we as scanners started coming out and about... We had a Regency crystal scanner that we brought into the home in the uh, about 1968 or so, and we're able to uh, we had put crystals in it for all the fire police, ambulance, and and some of the surrounding towns as well, and we were able to keep tabs on that. And you know, I just was always very interested in listening to that. As far as hobby radio, 
I can, that's, that's one component, obviously. And then, you know, one of national communications magazine covers a, a wide gamut of, uh, hobby radio topics and CB radio. I can, I can go back into the, the, probably the early to mid 1960s as well, you know, getting those, uh, hundred milliwatt, 27 megahertz CB walkie talkies as a kid. And you'd hear others, CBers on there talking, you know, and I always wonder what they're meant by breaker. You know, I kept hearing breaker and, and uh, we always thought we were maybe interfering with others' communications by, by that. I uh, kind of expanded on that in uh, junior high school, uh, getting more into the CB hobby. And uh, along the way, got licensed as a ham as well in 1982. Um, and then GMRS is another uh, component of that hobby radio. I've been licensed on GMRS since 1977. Now, I did a check the other day. I was just curious. I, I knew the numbers were kind of up there. As far as the longevity of GMRS licensees in the United States, I have the 11th oldest personal GMRS license in the wow. United States. And I have the 23rd overall oldest when you count in some grandfathered business and government licensees. So I've been interested a long time in, in radio. And it's a real natural for, for me to uh, be at the helm of National Communications Magazine, as well as all the other stops I've had along the way, you know, in the same vein. So I've, I've worked with other publications as well and have had a lot of fun. Uh, writing about hobby radio is fun and, and, and having others write for me is, is fun working with them as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a good, good mix. So you're kind of also like an early adopter, it sounds like, too, because you went from before the Plectron to having, the, I guess, the Plectron to a crystal control scanner, like just you said, too, about uh, being one of the early few GMRS licensees. That's, uh, I mean, you're, you're right there up front with everything, it sounds like, which is also good, too, because it sounds like, you know, back in the days before there was internet, right? I mean, how would you find out about GMRS licenses or how to apply and all that stuff? So you obviously know how to do the research and, and find your way around how to get things done when it comes to what it is you want to do in, in the radio hobby. So that's, that's very, very interesting to see. So, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. So national communications magazine, let's talk about that. Cause we've, we've touched on that just now. What exactly is national communications magazine? Can you give us like the, the elevator pitch as to uh, what that is? Exactly. Our key words that we like to use as far as telling who we are, we're America's hobby radio magazine. And that really sums it up. We deal with hobby radio topics and we're primarily based in the United States. We do have readers all around the world, though, who are interested in, in radio systems and a lot of things can translate to them as well. We have quite a few readers in Canada, too. The National Communications Magazine was founded way back in 1988. Uh, we come out every other month. And like I've kind of mentioned, we've we cover the hobbies of scanner radio monitoring, as well as Citizens Band and the Family Radio Service, the General Mobile Radio Service, GMRS, and the Multi-Use Radio Service, which is MERS, and two-way radio in general. So we have kind of homogenized. Uh, it's kind of morphed a little bit over the years. It was mainly at one time mainly scanning. We had a lot of CBers who came into the fold because we had some uh, agreements with some manufacturers at the time, so we added CB into the magazine. It was about the mid to late 1990s, I think. So, and we've kind of added in GMRS and FRS and 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 MERS as well. We we don't touch ham radio, and that's because there are plenty of publications out there that deal with ham radio and and are good at it. We we don't need to 
go into that field. So we kind of stick to to what we know well, what our, our readers resonate with well. So we, we stick to those topics. Scanning is our, our, uh, is our number one. CB is right up there as well. And then we kind of touch on the GMRS, FRS, and MERS as well. What about shortwave radio listening and, and utilities? Is that something you guys talk about too or no? No, we've kind of stayed away from that as well. There are, you know, shortwave listening requires some some different type of equipment. But but on the on the on the other hand, if we see something of note of of interest about shortwave, we share it on our social media channels. So we know some of our readers obviously cross into that. But the the biggest thing about our magazine is we try and keep a very narrow niche. And by doing that, I think we have a specific readership. So you kind of dilute yourself. You go off in different tangents with ham radio and, and shortwave. Not to say that there wouldn't be a, a great venue out there for, for those topics, but we know what we do well, and, and we try and focus on those, and our readers resonate with that, and, and it, it shows in, in terms of the response we get. Okay, excellent. And one of the things I do like about though about your magazine is like when you first open it up and you get like the news that has happened recently. And I know on, on one of the most recent ones too, there was uh, somebody in my neck of the woods who decided he'd have a good time and start keying up on the Medcom channel. So I didn't hear about it here locally, but I did read about it in Natcom, National Communications Magazine, that this local person got a little knock on the door from the FCC and is uh, got to try and fight writing them a check now. So that's always an interesting column that's at the beginning of the magazine as well. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we do is try and comb a wide uh, variety of resources for information and news that is of interest to our readers. And if it's if it's so urgent that we can't sit on it, we get it out on our social media channels, obviously. But if it's something that is doesn't have that great time importance, we definitely uh, include that in our roundup. And and our readers like to see that information. They they want to know things that can affect them as a radio hobbyist, and that's that's why we do that. So that that column is very important to us, and that's why it's so far front in the the beginning of the magazine. Right, right. And I mean, I know also a lot of information between cover to cover, which is definitely great. So you said before you publish just every other month. That's the schedule you guys are keeping? Right. We publish every other month. So it's uh, January, February uh, issue. And then we have March, April, uh, May, June, July and August, September, October, November, December. And they usually come out right about the first of the month. And we post them online. Well, we don't have a printed magazine. We uh, discontinued the printed publication several years ago. And we offer uh, only an online version of the publication. It's a PDF format, so it's easy to download or read in your web browser, however you want to do that. And then you also get access to every issue of the magazine published going back to our start in 1988 as well. So there's plenty of reading there. We've been around for 31 years. No hobby radio magazine has lasted that long in, in recent vintage. So we're proud of that, and we've got a lot more years left in us to go yet. Right. I remember as a kid reading National Communications Magazine is one of the magazines I, I subscribe to. And I, I, I mean, I understand why you go from print to digital. But to me, I mean, I miss I miss those paper days. That's that's one of those things. But I do find it interesting, though, that I mean, while while a print magazine is always great, you're kind of limited to what you can keep on hand or what you're currently getting. But it sounds like if somebody were to go on the website right now and subscribe to National Communications Magazine, they would get every episode going back since 1988 included in their uh, subscription. Is that is that right? That is correct. You're, you're right. It's, for some, a print version is, is what they, they want and what they prefer. Unfortunately, 
we'd be out of business if we we're still printing. The, the the cost associated not only with printing but also postage, and that goes up every year. And we just could not continue to sustain that that model. And we made that switch early on enough, whereas other publications did not, and and were not able to maintain their their print publication and literally discontinue their operations. But we made that uh, that switch early enough that we're able to sustain ourselves. We don't have that worry about that, that increase in postage every year or even printing costs going up every year. So we we are there and we will continue to be there for quite some time. The You're correct when you sign up for the magazine, you get an online access account. We send you a username and password that allows you to access not only the current issue of the magazine, but then you can go back and look at all the back issues of the magazine. You know, 31 plus years of, of magazines on our website gives you a lot of reading. Certainly does. Also gives you a lot to look back on. So if you were, you know, in the hobby many years ago, you get an opportunity to go back and see what things were like many years ago when, you know, you first entered, or maybe you might find that first radio that you were looking at or the one that got you in the hobby it's always good to go back and reread some of those old articles and just look at even some of the ads that are in there and uh, stuff like that i know personally i like going in and looking at some of the ads i know i tripped over one just recently for the pro 2004 and you know the price tag on it was a was a couple hundred bucks and when you go back and look at you know the inflation value on what that 400 dollars or so would have cost you then versus what it actually is now and 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 you think about where the current price point is of the upper tier scanners they're really not so bad considering what things used to cost you know if you compare apples to apples so to me i think going back in time and looking at some of the older releases as a part of the current subscription cost i think that is a unbelievable benefit and bonus that you are offering to anybody who wants to sign up for the magazine so speaking of which how would somebody subscribe currently to the uh to national communications magazine it's, it's actually pretty easy. What you do is you go to our website, and that is www.natcommag, N-A-T-C-O-M-M-A-G.com. And you go on there, and there's a link to subscribe. You go to that page, and it'll you can, there's a little pull-down menu. You can subscribe for one year, two years. We also offer the option of just buying a single copy of the magazine for $6. Um, the the one year for six issues is $25, two years is $48, so you save $2 that way. And you can also add on the Mr. Scanner uh, FCC database frequency CD as well if you wish to purchase that, and there's additional costs for that that you can add on to your order. And it takes you to PayPal, and PayPal you processes your payment. You don't need to be a PayPal um Need, don't need to have a PayPal account in order to do that. So uh, don't let that have state. You can also mail us a check. The uh, That information is also on our website, our address. Send a check for 25 or $48 to our, our address on the website, and we can certainly uh, process that as well and uh, get you your username and password that way. Excellent. So you talked before that you're the publisher of National Communication Magazine. Would that be the role that you say that? that you have or what would you lead editor? I mean, I'm not really sure on the, on the digital side of your printing side. Sure. Which is sure. No. Yeah, exactly. No, I am the editor and publisher and the owner. And back in, um, I, I started out with the magazine in 1996. Now, now those, there are people who know my byline. I've been around quite a while. I, I've been with other publications over the years 
And this was a, a, a natural for me to get involved with uh, this. But some of your readers probably remember Popular Communications. I, I wrote this scanning column for that from 1982 to 1996. And I actually served as its editor from 1995 to 1996. And then I freelanced again for uh, PopGom, probably about 2011, 2012 in that time frame. I've written for other publications, including Monitoring Times, another uh, hobby radio magazine, uh, even some of the old ham publications like 73. Some of your folks have been around even uh, a good deal, maybe remember the Radio Communications Monitoring Association, RCMA, and uh, the newsletter it produced on a monthly basis. Well, I was a column editor for that for oh, probably over 10 years from about 1977, 1987 or so, and actually served as its editor from 81 to 83. And I had some other roles along the way, too. I was, uh, there's a magazine that uh, CQ Publishing produced for Radio Shack Source called Radio back in the 1994-1996 time frame. And I was a writer and consulting editor for that. I've um, been an expert witness for um, Ganner cases, uh, in one case in uh, Philadelphia where there was a law prohibiting the sale of scanners in the city of Philadelphia. I was brought in as an expert witness by Uniden to testify in that case. I've also provided uh, frequency databases for certain scanner models that were produced by uh, a variety of uh, manufacturers, actually, before we had things like radio reference to, to pull databases from. Some of those, some of you folks on the East Coast and, and the Midwest may remember a publication called Scanner Master. And uh, I produced six versions of a Philadelphia area guide for that. Scanner Master also produced the Monitor America book, which is a nice thick reference material that has scanner frequencies for the entire country in there. And I was a, a state's editor for that publication. That was quite some time ago. And then who doesn't forget Police Call publication, which came out every year and had chunks of frequencies in regional editions covering the entire United States. And I was a trunking editor for that publication back in the 2000s until its its last publication of, of that, that book. So that all gave me a good way to get into the operation with uh, national communications. So I became editor and publisher with the July 2014 issue. And that was mainly because the uh, publication owner, since he started the publication back in 1988, is Norm Shrine. He decided to retire and wanted to take that operation off his plate. So he approached me and I was in a good position at the time to be able to take that on. And we basically moved the offices of the magazine from his location, Kettering, Ohio, to, to here in beautiful downtown Alito, Illinois. And we, we try and uh, continue on the success of the magazine from the past and make us better with each issue that comes along and, and make sure that we're resonant with our readers and providing them with the, the news and information that they look for in terms of a hobby radio publication. You know, make sure that that scanning information is there telling you the basics of how to go about the hobby and learn more about the inner workings of your scanner, give you some ideas of things you can try. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a never ending basis. Yep, and so is the hobby of scanning. It's like there's always some little thing that you can, like I said, that you could try with the hobby. But it sounds like you definitely have a a long, long career with writing about scanning. And uh, congratulations to on the five year anniversary that just passed on. It uh, is on being the editor. Yep, exactly. So that that's awesome. So you ba basically you then have a team of people working for you. Are they based out of that office or they work remotely? Or how does that how does that work? No, every, everybody works 
remotely um, mm-hmm. and uh, be very honest it's it's a it's a freelance staff like most publications we've had a variety of contributors over the years and you know in addition to myself we have Mark Haberstock Kate MSH he's one of our lead writers and uh, he writes on a regular basis for the publication and uh, covers a variety of topics Mark is very well versed in, in hobby radio. He can write about scanners. He can write about CB. He, he can write about just about any GMRS, any, any topic. So he's very versatile and we work with him on a regular basis and he does a great job for us. Our associate editor and publisher, Lisa Stevens, he's, she's my wife and uh, she produces the news column and, and occasionally some other articles as well. And Roger Dumont Jr., he usually handles some special assignments for us, especially when we need to get an article into production pretty quick. He can usually turn it around and, and get it to us. So we, we and we have others that contribute on a regular basis so off and on. They may write for us once a year or a couple times a year. So we have a lot of people we turn to and uh, try and keep that information that has a, a, a different flavor. Every writer has their own style, and I don't try and change that too much. Um, I, I am an editor by trade. I have a long time career as a, as a journalist. So, I mean, I can work with a lot of writers, but I do edit articles. Uh, that's that's your job as an editor. And we try and produce a, a clean publication that I don't think you'll find any typos in it, which you see a lot in today's journalism world, unfortunately, but we try and keep the, the publication in good shape and have the, the, the best writing that we can to present to our readers. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up at the end, too, because I know my local news newspaper that's here, uh, not to really spill the beans of who they are, but it's always funny when you go online and you look at their their social media. It's always, people just pick them apart. It's like, oh, another, you know, half-written half article by such-and-such, such. you know? It's it's amazing that, uh, just to point exactly what you said about about the misspellings or, or stuff like that. So, I mean, the, the job that you have as an editor is one of those thankless and very difficult jobs sometimes. So, I feel bad for you. <laughs> right, and, and it's something that takes serious. You know, like, I've, I've been a, a newspaper editor for a long time, as well as, you know, working with the magazine. So, and I see the the lack of staff that that's out there today and 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 the editor's hands are tied they have a lot of work to do and you know i it's funny i i worked for a newspaper in new jersey back in the 1980s and i i pulled out a, a photo of the staff that was taken on the front lawn of the the newspaper newspaper's plant back in that day and i showed it to my wife the other day and i said look at all these people I mean, there, there were dozens and dozens of people at, at this paper working in the newsroom back then. And today they are just reduced to a handful working in a storefront. It, it's been a change. And the, they're, they're trying to put out the same product, basically, but with less people to do that. I've, I've learned to be a good editor. I am good at what I do. So and not to get into the journalism thing too much, but you know I, that that's very important to me to produce something clean and uh, clean of typos and and looks attractive in terms of the design, and that's very important to us at National Communications as well. And that's one of the things I bring to the magazine because I, I I'm proud of it, and and there's a lot of pride that comes forward because of that. Yeah, you can definitely tell that there is definitely pride on your end by. Uh... By just reading the magazine, which is you do a really great job at making sure things all done correctly and everything else in there as well. So it's definitely a great, great magazine. So you have uh, freelance 
people who submit stories to you. Now, are you open to taking like a one or two articles from somebody who just has an idea they want to write about? Or what would that process be like if somebody has something they want to submit a story to you? Absolutely. Um, I'm always willing to work with new writers. And that's, you know, as the the role of an editor is is one where uh, and I enjoy working with new writers. So the the easy I, what I want to say is don't write an article and turn it into me and say, can you use us? Because you've probably wasted a lot of time between us because either one, I'm going to have to rework it or bounce it back to you and say, well, this is really the better way to go. Or I'm going to say, Nah, that wasn't a good idea. And you just wasted your time producing it. So and that's just being honest and and being respectful of people's time. So what I ask people to do if they're interested in writing for us is to query us by by email first. Uh, Send me a a proposal. Kind of give me a basic outline of what you want to accomplish with this article. Maybe some some bullet points as far as what you plan to discuss in your article. This is very typical of any magazine as far as a writer wanting to produce an article for that publication. So send me send me a synopsis of what you're thinking of producing, and I'll come back to you and say, well, that's a great idea, but I think you might want to take this approach or you might want to include this additional information, and let's make sure we get some photos of this because the writers also are responsible for producing their own photos and, and graphics that come with the article. So if we can have that discussion beforehand, it just makes a better um, approach to putting it all together. And it saves everybody time on both ends, I think, by doing that. Like I said, you may pitch me an idea and I say, mm, that's not that doesn't work for us. And yet you've sat there and written an article on the, the greatest shortwave station in history, but I can't use it. So by all means, uh, send a, uh, an email to editor at natcommag. Dot com. I don't like to get them by fax. I don't like to get them by, by letter in the mail. Send a, an email query, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. And you're right, though. It is kind of a difficult process sometimes, too, to be on the writing side and, and then try and figure out what would be a good fit. Because I know I did some writing way back when. I think it was an online publication called Scanner Radio Digest. It was an email-based type of thing as well. And it was it was tough because I knew I was supposed to write about like New York scanning. But you'd always have to wait till like the last minute to write it because there was so many changes going on. You didn't want, you know, by the time you'd write it and go to publication, it's it's difficult to write about what happens right now or or updates in in an area. So, always found that to be difficult. And there was another publication I wrote for as well, but that one went belly up really quick just for the same reasons why you've changed Miles. He went from digital only and decided, oh, I have to go print. And as soon as he went print. You know that was kind of the end of that. He wow. He, yeah. uh, he couldn't he couldn't pay his bills and his staff and his writers and everything else. So unfortunately, that one folded as well. But it is it is very tough to be on the writing side as well as the editing side. And you're right though, good communication between yourself and somebody who would want to write from you, especially right out of the gate, is definitely a time saver and and to make sure everybody's on the same page. So yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to write for you, that I would strongly suggest syncing up with you first instead of just saying, hey, here's here's my article. Uh, can you use it? Because that's right. definitely not a good approach to going forward. Exactly, it's a it's a partnership, and and I I wanted to I I I want you to succeed. That's the bottom line. If if you've got a great idea, I want you to write it, and I want you to succeed. I can edit it till the cows come home, but I want you to tell me how you're going to approach it because then we we flush it out. And you know, as as a longtime newsroom editor and and manager. 
this is how I worked with reporters in the newsroom. You have an article, let's talk about it. And then literally I had many reporters that sit down and look over my shoulders. I edited their article because I wanted them to learn why I'm making changes and, and such. So by having that communication, it, it just makes for a better article. And by having better articles, it makes National Communications a better magazine. Yep, I definitely agree. So let's change gears really quick here because we you definitely touched on something I want to uh, go back on. So you talked about the Mr. Scanner FCC database. Can you touch sure. on what that is? Sure. That's produced by um, uh, Norm Shrine, who is Mr. Scanner, who is our previous publisher. And uh, we're, we have a partnership with him. And uh, basically, if you want to get that, that CD, that CD carries the entire FCC database for the United States on it. So you can search out frequencies and, and information on those licenses. So you could type in, for instance, uh, tell me everybody in the state of Missouri who uses 155.160 megahertz. And it would sit there and bring it up for you. Or you could go in there and say, tell me everybody who has an FCC license for a frequency that you listen to in your scanners in Glenside, Pennsylvania. And you could get a list of that and then see all those and review it and you say, well, there's a great frequency I probably should be listening to and punch it into your scanner. So it's a great resource and it's updated on an annual basis. We provide that at a slight discount when you um, subscribe to the magazine. And uh, Norm actually drop ships that from his location in Ohio for us. It's just, um, you know, I, I wanted to continue. This was this was offered previous to me taking over the magazine, but I think it's a great service to our readers. We we sell several of those each year because people are interested in, in, in getting that that information source. So um, we continue that partnership with Norm, and uh, it's it's one that our readers like to take advantage of. I remember seeing uh, Mr. Scanner too. Reminds me a lot about when I would program radios using was it Don Star software or. Mm. Um, he, he had a software that was always, you know, import from Mr. Scanner was always one of his options on there. So uh, I know that that software goes goes way back as well. So sure. I'm sure the interface on it, though, is a lot easier to use than to go on the FCC website because we don't, that's kind of clunky and, you know, there's a lot of settings in there you can you can overlook. So yeah, uh, it is very the easy. Output's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very user friendly. You get on the FCC's uh, site and you don't know how to search. There, there's so many ways to search. And unless mm -hmm. you pick that exact same way, and, and can find that that drill down that works perfectly, it's very difficult. And you get a lot of superfluous information, you know, like microwave stuff that you're not going to pick up on a scanner. So, but yeah, uh, Norm has massaged that data down to where it's the stuff that scanner radio listeners want to to have and be able to use. And that, that works great. It's a, it's, a, it's a great resource for scanner listeners. Excellent. I know, too, sometimes when I look at stuff, on the FCC site, unless you have the actual query, like you said, exactly right, it's going to say no match found because it's, I mean, it's just, it's going to be exactly how it's going to be on the FCC's, FCC right. site. So having somebody, like I said, massage the data so it's a little bit more friendlier to use is, is definitely well worth it in, in my book as well. So besides the magazine, what else are you are you working on right now? We have a couple of things in the stream that we're working on. We we been mainly focused over the past five years since taking over the magazine is making sure we have a good publication and it's something that our readers want and resonate with and and making sure we we keep our um, readers happy and not only that but also maintain the um, level of readership that we've had over the years and we've been successful at that one of the unfortunate things with publications these days is the numbers decline your daily newspaper probably has 
anywhere from one half to one third of the readers that did 10 plus years ago. And magazines are on the same downside. It's very difficult for them to maintain the readership. And quite frankly, it's because of the internet. There's so many sources of information out there. We've been very successful at maintaining the same level of readership for our magazine over that time frame, And I've been very happy with that. And we, we do market the magazine and, and try and make sure that we have, because without readers, we're nothing. I mean, that comes right down to that. If we don't have the, the readers to uh, look at the magazine, we may as well just hang it up. So we, we definitely try and keep our numbers up. And I'm very happy with that and very grateful that our readers continue to not only come forward as, as new readers to the magazine, but also continue to renew their their uh, online access accounts with us and continue to read the magazine over the years. So uh, we have some very long-time readers, and we have some readers who come in for just a, a year maybe and then decide it's, it's not their cup of tea, and that's fine. There are other readers who come along as well, and we're tr always trying to find those new readers. So it, it works out very well. And and, and I think I've kind of deviated away from, oh, the, the um, other things we have in the stream here is we are looking at uh, producing a DVD for our readers. And you actually don't even need to be a reader to get access to it. This DVD will have back issues of the magazine on it. And we hope to announce that if we haven't already announced it by the time this podcast is posted online. This DVD will be most likely in a couple different parts. And you can purchase the early years of the magazine, more recent years of the magazine, or the most recent year of the magazine. And that would all come on one DVD, perhaps, rather than one, two, or three DVDs. And this would allow you to stick the DVD into your computer. You would, won't need internet. You just need Adobe Acrobat, or uh, sorry, Adobe Reader to, to read the magazine. And you can sit there and... and go back and forth to it. You don't need to download it. I, I know how difficult it would be for some to download that number of magazines from our website. So it's it's a it'll be a great tool. Uh, people have asked us to produce this uh, time and time again. And again, trying to be responsive to our readers' needs. We want to be able to move forward for that. So we, we hope at, at the time of the, that we're recording the podcast here, we hope to have that online very soon. And I hope uh, by the time that the uh, podcast uh, goes online, that we will have that uh, up and running, and uh, there'll be an announcement on our website as well as our social media channels, and that information will be available for our readers to um, go online and purchase, and I think it'd be a great thing because it's something that they want. Excellent. So the website, again, is is what, is what now? www.nat. Com mag and again that's nat is a national nat c c o m is in communications and the mag first part of magazine so it's nat c o m m a g natcom mag dot com and there are links on right on the homepage there to take you where you need to be. Excellent. Yeah, I didn't want to say it the wrong way on on uh, the podcast and have you correct me. So that's sure, funny. no problem. I, I hesitated just a second. And then finding you because you said before you do plenty of stuff on social media. Where uh, where can people find you on the social media channels? Exactly. We're we're on most of the social media channels that we can right now. We're on Facebook. That's where we do most of our um, information. We're also on Twitter. 
Pinterest and Instagram as well. We just uh, added that channel over the last um, oh, month or so. And we're the same address on, on every social media channel, Natcom Mag. So if you go to Facebook.com slash Natcom Mag, you'll find us. Same with Twitter, same with Pinterest, and same with Instagram. That's We're the same address on, on each platform. Excellent. How is that uh, Pinterest working out for you? It's one of those unknown black hole uh, social media channels I've never really played around with too much. Sure. We we initially started out just posting the covers, some covers of the magazine on there, but have kind of expanded that and um, using it some more in the past month. So the the jury's still out as far as how that works for the the magazine. I, there are a lot of radio hobbyists on Pinterest, and it's just trying to resonate with them on on that okay. platform. And I I think that by taking the right approach, we'll we'll get there. Excellent. Yeah, I know I follow you on uh, the other three, Facebook. I believe on Facebook. I definitely follow you on Instagram. I'm more of an Instagram user than a Facebook user, to be honest with you. And uh, I know you posted the the picture of the cake that had the CB radio on it yes. the other day. And there's a couple other things on there that's uh, always interesting. You, you guys have a really, really good Instagram feed. So um, I'm sure that the Twitter and the Facebook are very similar to that. So yes. if um, you know somebody wants a little radio chuckle during a day or a little bit of you know, advice or even just something, a little knowledge bomb in the middle of the afternoon, then uh, definitely your Instagram, uh, I'm sorry, your social media feeds are a good source of that and kind of break up the day a little bit too as, you, as you're scrolling through the feed. So you guys do a, an excellent job on social media. So Right. We try and try and resonate with the readers once again. We may get a little off topic once in a while, that something that the, the magazine itself doesn't cover, but that's okay because we recognize that our, our readers are interested. We don't want to ignore that. It doesn't fit in the magazine, but yet it fits in our social media channels. So we have a lot of fun on social media and a lot of information. So definitely check us out. Excellent. Yeah, it's definitely what social media is for. It's a little bit of a break from the uh, the everyday grind. All right, so this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed our time together. Do you have anything else you want to bring up before we uh, before we go? I don't think so. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to tell your, your listeners about us and look forward to having people check us out. Excellent. So again, the website is natcommag.com and all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Natcom Mag, and definitely look at subscribing to the magazine. I think it's well worth it, and maybe uh, we'll see somebody else writing for the columns uh, sooner or later. So There you again, go. Chuck, thank you so much for your time, and I definitely appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast and, and sharing and explaining what National Com, uh, National Communications Magazine is all about. Thank you once again. Okay, Chuck, thank you so much for being our guest today on Scanner School. Really appreciate you having the time to uh, to sit down and talk with us. So one thing that Chuck and I did not really discuss heavily is the subscription model for National Communications Magazine. This is all available online in their FAQ. So if something I don't explain here doesn't make sense to you, then you can go ahead and check it out there. And again, this is just me explaining things out here. This is my recommendation. It's a great magazine. I have no monetary ties, so they're not paying me for any of this stuff. This is strictly a recommendation. Great magazine. It's digital only, like we talked about in, in, in the podcast interview. Back in the day, it was digital, and the thing about digital was if you wanted to hold on to the app, you know the, the the magazines and go through it, yeah, you had to keep digital prints. So again, like we talked about here, Chuck now has the back catalog of National Communications Magazine on DVD, so you can go back. And so instead of having all these magazines stacked up, you could just have one or two DVDs. Uh, also, again, like we talked about on the podcast, if you subscribe, then you get the back catalog included. And you know, I'm I, 
I have to have the time, but to go back through and go through some of the, the magazines that I remember reading as a kid, I, I, I want to go back in there and, and look at some of the advertisements. I mean, nothing really beats going back and seeing the old advertisements on the old scanners and seeing what they're going for today and kind of seeing what, you know, they went for back in the day. And, and then, you know, doing a quick calculation, finding out how much inflation would be and all that stuff. I want to do a whole podcast episode on that. Just look at a couple of the older popular scanners that were out and seeing what they went for back in the day and what they would have cost today. Because I think that's really an eye-opening thing when you talk about, you know, what things cost and, and, and how outrageous things are. But when you think about how outrageous things are now and what they really were, yeah, that $200 scanner wasn't really $200 in today's money. <laughs> so let's put it that way. But anyway, what I really want to drop in here too is, you know, I, I want to make sure that you guys are clear that the, pod, um, the, the magazine is every other month. Okay, it's a six-month type of thing. So the magazine comes out on every odd month. If you subscribe in January, obviously you're going to get the full year's worth of magazines every other month. If you subscribe on a odd number month, say you subscribe in July, you'll get July's issue, and then your subscription will run out the following June. However, if you subscribe, say, in August, right, then you would get July's issue sent to you, but again, your subscription would expire the previous June, or next June, rather. So again, you're still going to get your six episodes. It's you're going to feel like it's a month shy of renewal, but it's really not. You're going to get the current Windows magazine. So again, if you subscribe in February, you'll get January's and your subscription will still expire in December. You're not cutting yourself short. So don't wait until the top of the year. Don't wait until next month. So do it right away if you want to subscribe to National Communications Magazine. Again, they're all over social media. They have a pretty entertaining Instagram channel, so I definitely recommend going and checking them out on Instagram as well. So again, before we part ways, I also want to thank our Patreon supporters, in addition to Chuck being our guest today. So our Patreon supporters, at the time of this recording, because I am now doing my recordings ahead of time, thanks to my Patreon supporters and being able to help me out with it, with hiring some services, we have Dan, Glenn Bryden, James Felling, M.T. Bono, Raymond Hill, Todd Glendai. We also have Craig Harper, Guy Lee, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, William R. Can. I want to thank all of you for your continued support and allowing me the freedom to hand off the podcast editing to a professional. So I'm not doing these on Sunday nights. I greatly appreciate it. Now, if you also want to help support us in another way, you can do so by going right to scannerschool.com support. We have the option of doing a one-time PayPal donation. If you are an Amazon shopper like I am, and I've talked about this in the past, I absolutely love Amazon. I get everything from Amazon. You go to scannerschool.com support, click on Amazon, and when you make your shopping trip, guess what? We earn an Amazon affiliate on that. If you're looking for a radio from ScannerMaster, software from Butel, we've got you covered with affiliate links on there as well. So if you're going to make another purchase, another piece of hardware or software, we've also got ways you can help us out with that as well. So in closing, all the session notes are online. ScannerSchool.com slash session94. Now, again, I asked Chuck to be a guest on this podcast, but if you have an idea for a podcast episode or you would like to be interviewed and be a guest and talk with your fellow Scanner School community, the fellow classmates, the fellow members of the Scanner Radio Club, just drop me a line, phil at scannerschool.com or go right to scannerschool.com, click on the podcast, and there's a link in there to become a guest on the podcast. 
It takes you right to my calendar where you can schedule a time that works for the two of us. And it takes less than five minutes to do so. It's great. And, you know, this podcast wouldn't be here without you guys. So, again, thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll catch you all again next week. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. This is Scanner School, where we teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. 73, everyone.